horrific war in Ukraine impacting all of Europe, the residual impacts of the pandemic, enormous economic and political turmoil, and the ever-present threat of terrorism, the Lord is working in France. And it is a thrilling thing to see, and we're grateful. Uh, Christ Presbyterian is a beacon of light for the gospel of Christ in Somerville, Tennessee. And I thank you for being a ray of hope uh, for Christ in the, the world of Europe and particularly in the work of France. Um, this morning I want us to look at this passage in Luke chapter 22. There's 71 verses here. It's filled with all sorts of information. Uh, we're, we're in that period of time when Jesus is in the upper room and having these conversations with his disciples. And if you were to look back in John, John beginning in 13, John meets with those, Jesus meets with the disciples there, and that's one of the most poignant passages there is, as Jesus meets with them and washes the disciples' feet and models for them what humility is. And then as he gives them the mandate, uh, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Uh, and then he moves on to, to establish that memorial feast, that new Passover uh, the Lord's Supper, and so we have uh, the model of humility, the mandate of love, and, and a memorial that is a perpetual reminder of the sacrifice he made. And then, of course, even there in 14, he moves on to give them the wonderful comfort. And you know that passage, every one of you have probably memorized by heart, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and Jesus comforts his disciples there. We, we see some of that laid out in Luke 22 as well. And in Luke 22, we have, if you can imagine the emotions in that room at that time, they're at the table. They're eating the Lord's Supper. They're celebrating Passover. And Jesus is looking across saying, one of you is going to betray me. And Judas leaves to go and betray him. Then he, he talks to Peter and says, Peter, listen, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And then we see Judas's betrayal. And then we see Peter's denial. And this chapter is just filled with stuff. But I want to focus on these two verses in 31 and 32, lest I preach all day. I think I've, I've told you the story uh, in Oxford, Mississippi, there was a little cafe uh, where I'd go meet with some men and we'd try to buy each other coffee and uh, we'd just catch up on news and hear stories. And one of the men, you know, from time to time, they'd share an anecdote from their church. And one of the men told me about their pastor who was getting in the habit of going overtime. <laughs> I know your pastor never does that. Uh, <clears throat> College Hill, they said the longer he preaches, the longer he preaches. And, um, but... Uh, this particular pastor kept going over, and one of the deacons, uh, uh, Mr. Johnson, I'll change the name to protect the innocent, but Mr. Johnson went up and said, uh, Pastor, listen, you're going overtime, you know, and we've got things to do at the day. We've got dinner and family and all these things, and, you know, you need to wrap up around noon. And the pastor said, well, Mr. Johnson, you know, I just preach as the Lord leads me, and sometimes I'll go over, and when I'm finished, I'm finished. And Mr. Johnson said, well, <clears throat> I'm just going to tell you, if you go over next week, I'm going to just get up and leave at noon, so just so you know. 
And the pastor said, well, don't do that. He said, well, I'm, I'm going to. And so the next week, the pastor's preaching, and all of a sudden, it's noon. And then it's about one or two minutes after. And Mr. Johnson gets up and starts to walk out. And the pastor says, well, Mr. Johnson, where are you going? Called him right out. Mr. Johnson turned around and said, Pastor, I'm going to get a haircut. And he said, why didn't you get a haircut before you came? He said, I didn't need one before I came this morning. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try not to go too long here. And if I get into this chapter, there's so much material that I'm afraid it would, um, it, it would be here all day. But I want you to, to think with me a minute about Vicki Cook and what Vicki Cook did in 1997 uh, by writing, composing some notes to put a new song with Sovereign Grace uh, to an old hymn. That hymn was actually written in 1861 by a lady by the name of Charity Lee Smith Bancroft. And here's how it goes. You just sang it. Before the throne of God above. I have a strong, a perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives to plead for me. Wow. We could go through the whole hymn, but it's so beautiful. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no one can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen lamb, the perfect spotless sacrifice. The great unchangeable I am, God of glory and of grace. Mm. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. Oh, I hope this morning that you have that glorious hope before the throne of, of God above. You know, when you think about that, you can't help but but treasure the words of the writers of the Shorter Catechism. They said, how does Christ fulfill the office, execute the office of, of the priest? And he says, Christ executed the office of a priest by his once offering up himself a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice and reconcile us to God and by continually interceding for us. I want us to look at that and see that here this morning, and I want us to note three things. One, our great high priest, the Lord Jesus, knows you by name. Secondly, I want you to see that Jesus, our great high priest, knows your frailty and your fallenness, your sin and your struggles. And number three, I want you to see that the Lord Jesus, our great high priest, has not only redeemed us for himself, but continually offers intercession for us, praying for us. 
I want you to see that, first of all, by, by looking at this first part of the passage. And he says, Simon, Simon, behold. And that's, a, that's a very imperative right there. Simon, Simon, behold. And I want you to note something about this. I remember the first time I encountered that double name. And then when I heard a message by one of my professors about that name, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. My first encounter with it was in Hebrew class, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10, where the Lord says, Samuel, Samuel, when he's calling Samuel to be his servant. But we, we see it earlier, and, and the professor began to point this out, that, that intimacy that comes when our name is, is not just said once but twice. Maybe some of you sometimes when you're trying to make that emphatic mention to your children repeat their name more than once. But in Genesis chapter 22, you go there and you, you see God in the midst of making the covenant with Abraham. And, and now he's not only doing that, but now he's there about to sacrifice Isaac. And just as he's about to sacrifice Isaac, the voice comes from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And there's this sense of intimacy between God and Abraham. We saw it in Exodus chapter 3 with, with Moses. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 4, Moses turns aside at the burning bush, awed that it's being on fire but not being consumed. And suddenly he hears these words, Moses... Moses. You, you ladies may remember that there were two sisters, Mary and Martha, and at one point as they're having dinner with Jesus, Jesus looks to Martha and says, Martha, Martha. And of course, Isaiah it tells us that our names are written on the palms of his hands. This hymn says our names are graven on his hands. Our names are written on his heart. I want to tell you today, by the way, Jesus challenges at one point. You remember when he calls Saul in the midst of his persecution of the church. And what does he do? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and that day Saul was dramatically converted on the Damascus Road. There's another place where Jesus challenges us. Challenges says, do you really know me? Do you really know me? Why do you pretend you know me? And he says in Luke uh, chapter 6, and he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and feign an intimacy, but you don't do the things which I say? I want us to note just simply this. When Jesus gathers here in the upper room and he talks to Peter, he says, Simon, Simon. Now, it's interesting here because he says, Satan has demanded to have you, to sift you like wheat. When he uses that you, that you is in the plural. So he's not just talking about Simon here, although he is talking to Simon. He's just talking about, he wants all of y'all. And we'll see in John chapter 17, he prays for all of them. But here he says, Simon, Simon. And it's going to be interesting because when he says, but I have prayed for you, and we'll talk about that in a minute. That's in the singular. And here's what I want you to realize this morning. Jesus, our great high priest, 
knows you. If you're his child, if you've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb, if he is indeed your perfect sacrifice, he knows you by name. Your name is graven on his hands. Your name is written on his heart. It's a thrilling thing to know that, that there it is. He knows Tyler by name, your pastor. The second thing I want you to see, though, is this. Jesus, our great high priest, knows our struggles. Our sin, our fallenness, our failures. The battles we have with the great adversary. Peter, later writing about probably this event even, says, hey, Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He knew about the fiery attacks of Satan. Paul knew the same thing. He writes about putting on the whole armor of God that we might withstand the attacks of Satan. But I want you to understand something. Right now, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. I don't know what your struggles are today. You might be worried about the economy. You might be worried about your health and issues that are going on, or maybe your family, your marriage, your, your dreams for retirement. Maybe it's uh, something going on and issues in your life and even challenges of your faith. But I want you to know something today. Jesus, our great high priest, knows your struggles. He knows your sin. Scripture says he's been tempted in all ways like we are and yet without sin. So I want you to know not only does he know your name, he knows your struggles, the challenges that you have, the difficulties that you're facing. Isn't it wonderful when you're going through something really hard and, and all of a sudden somebody comes alongside you who's walked down that same road and you're able to share your heart and your brokenness. I have a friend who's written a book called All In and he talks about some of the struggles he had in life and how he was really battling until he found a group of men he could share his heart with who accepted him and loved him and listened to him just where he was. Now, they had a vow they made when they would get together for their retreats. He said, you know, you can't always do this in the church, but when we got together as our group, we had the Vince Lombardi philosophy. Y'all know the Vince Lombardi philosophy, right? He had a big sign outside their training camp, and it said, what you see here and what you say here and what you hear here stays here when you leave here. And he said it's been absolutely amazing as he has met with Christian and business leaders from around the country and even in the world, how when they have this intimate group of men gathered together to share their challenges and their struggles and their hearts, in a place of grace, in a place of love, in a place of safety, 
things change. And what I want to suggest to you this morning is when you come to Jesus, your great high priest, you can come to someone who knows your struggles, who knows your heart, who cares about what's going on in your life. Now, the third thing I want you to see with me real quickly is Jesus, the great high priest, not only knows us by name, if we're his children. By the way, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've never found that wonderful gift of forgiven sin, of hope, and of grace, I want to invite you even today to come to know him. Put your trust in someone who has loved you with an everlasting love. But the third thing I want you to notice is, is that if we're his, the scriptures tell us, and Jesus says right here, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired you to sift you like wheat. You're going to have these battles and struggles, but I'm here with you. And then he says, but I have prayed for you. Wow. Wow. I have prayed for you that your faith fail not and when you have returned, strengthen your brothers. Isn't it wonderful to know right now the Lord Jesus, according to scriptures, the Lord Jesus is praying for you and me by name. It says in, in Romans uh, that in chapter 8, it's so, so remarkable. It says, who is it that condemns? It is Jesus who died, yea, also is risen again. And even seated at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for you. Or we might read in Hebrews chapter 7 that he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Jesus Christ, through him. For he ever lives to make intercession for them. Right now, in heaven, the Lord Jesus is praying for you. I had a lady in, in our Bible study at, at the church, and it was wonderful that the Barnabas Bible study, this lady would get together, and we'd all be together, and, and she'd say to me almost every week, now listen, you know, my son's got a lot going on in his life. I need you to pray for him. And so I would pray for him, and then I'd see him from time to time, and I'd say, hey, just want you to know I'm praying for you. And you know what he asked me? He said, by name? And I was able to say, I'm praying for you by name, specifically. In fact, I didn't say, I've got some specific prayer requests I'm praying for you too. But, but the fact of the matter is, right now, in heaven, Jesus is before the throne of God, praying for you. Praying for you. Our great high priest, he knows you by name. He knows your struggles, your sin, your faults, and your failures. And he's praying for you by name. Now, Tyler, how old are you? 38. 38. He's got a ways to go, but you'll, you'll retire one of these days. And I'm hoping that like a lot of great preachers, you'll retire to the south of France. Um, <laughs> my, my favorite preacher, probably my favorite preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, incredible Baptist pastor in London in the 1800s. Struggled with a lot of health issues. London is dark and cold, and so he would go from time to time down to Menton, France, and ultimately retired down there. 
the end of his years. He went down to Menton, France, and there he tried to struggle with his health, and ultimately, as he did, he gave his last two messages in Menton, France. It was on December 31st, 1891, and on January 1st, 1892. And... Um, he said this as he was concluding his message. He said, though for 40 years I have proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ and led many to my master's feet, I have no ray of hope today except what Christ has done for guilty men. And then he quoted Charity Smith's hymn. Hmm. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect sacrifice, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. Oh, my dear friends, my hope for you this morning is number one, you know Christ is your Savior. And that your hope in this day and in that day is that He knows you by name. That you understand the wonder of His redeeming love, that He knows your strengths and your weaknesses, your faults and your failures. And He's called you to be His own. And there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And that you'll also know this, as you walk through the days of joy and of sorrow, the highs and the lows, you will understand that moment by moment, Jesus is praying for you. First of all, he knows you by name. Second of all, he knows your struggles and your sins. Thirdly, he's praying for you by name. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's a joyful thing to know that Jesus Christ knows us by name. Oh, would you help us today to know him whom to know is life eternal. We would give you grateful thanks for your love and your grace and your mercy. And we thank you in his name. Amen.